Hi, welcome to Sessions with Bob and Lena. I'm Bob Gordon. And I'm Lena Derhali, and today's topic is Creating a New Narrative with Sierra Simonson. And we are excited to be joined by Sierra today. Welcome, Sierra. She is an ordained minister and a clinical mental health counselor, certified Imago relationship therapist, among many, many other things. And so uh, without further ado, Sierra, why don't you take the floor and um, tell everybody about all the, the cool things you're doing? Yes, and good morning, everyone. Lena, Bob, it's so good to be on with you this morning. Um, I know you all are on the East Coast. I'm here in the Midwest in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, Ciara Simonson, I am, as you mentioned, an ordained minister with the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, a certified Imago therapist, I'm currently seeing clients even as I travel. Right now, I'm the wife of Victor Simonson, who is uh, the associate conductor for the Hamilton Tour, uh, current uh, doctoral student with Daybreak University. Um, oh, did I say homeschool mom? Did I say that I'm not yet? No, <laughs> homeschooling on the road. <laughs> homeschooling on the road. Yes, it's like a whole laundry list of all the things. Um, but yeah, the, this is this is you know all the hats that I wear comes with great passion and, and great joy um, for my life and service and sharing in community. And I'm not sure it was clear you're the doctoral candidate, not Victor. Did, okay, yes, yes, I am the doctoral <laughs> student. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, and this is, this is an exciting time in my process. It's something that I've um, started when I initially engaged in my master's um, program in clinical mental health counseling, but with um, childbearing and just had to start and stop. And so finally, now that the kids are a little older, I have a little more capacity to read um, the articles that are required for research and study. And I'm up to my eyeballs right now with it. <laughs> But uh, glad, glad to be on with you today. So oh, yeah. we, um, we asked Sierra because uh, of a, the topic, um, creating a new narrative, uh, which kind of had its um, genesis in an article you wrote for, for our agency newsletter. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can take us into the topic, kind of how, how, how we got here. Absolutely. Yeah, so the article itself, um, Creating a New Narrative, is something that, that continues to be um, top of mind for, for me, not only as I'm traveling with my husband uh, during this tour, which has a significant story around, you know, who, who tells your story, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Um, what is that narrative? When he and I made decisions to actually come out on the road, when I say he and I made the decision, that's Victor accepting the opportunity um, to be the, one of the conductors for Hamilton and me deciding to pack up the kids and to join him. This was about, okay, what will become of our story? as a family who made the decision to be together. Um, 
so this idea of, of the narrative, the story, what is our story? And it's continuous work for us. Uh, some of the old messages that has challenged us as a couple continues to come up, uh, even though we're on the road traveling from city to city. And um, this new year, thinking about the new year, just like, okay, we want to be really intentional about our story for this time on the road. Um, traveling, what does this mean for us? What are we going to do and be really, really intentional about um, our time together, our time as a family and um, all of the experiences, places, things that we're doing. And I would say that this article kind of evolved from just my husband and I being intentional about our story to um, really looking at it in a wider context and actually what it means for us as individuals and how we're engaging our community. And when I submitted the article, I realized it was February. So not only was I celebrating my anniversary and thinking about this in light of our wedding anniversary, which is the beginning of February, but it was also Black History Month. And it's just like, yeah, no, this, this idea of telling our story, engaging our story has so much meaning and so much depth um, that, that it really can be looked at and addressed in, in such a wide manner. Mm. Yeah, that's really, it, it's almost uh, serendipitous in a way that it had this genesis of starting from your marriage and then looking at it um, as, wow, it's February, it's Black History Month. And so how do you, how do you want to explain to the listeners, what is creating a new narrative? What does it mean? How can it help other people? And, and how, do you, how did you do it with Victor? And, uh, and then we can look again into a wider context after that. Yeah, so it, it really has um, everything to do with, and I, I continue to go back to our decision around um, going on tour together, packing up our home and kids, me agreeing to become a homeschool parent, and, um, and, and joining my husband in this opportunity. And part of it is we believe that families belong together, right? That was that's one. And then two, uh, our relationship vision, which was we, we are a couple who supports each other's dreams. So here's mm -hmm. a dream opportunity um, that we had identified that we would support each other. And so going back to just this idea of what is the vision, setting a vision for the life that we want to create, right? So we are creators of our, our stories. Um, in the beginning. So this is kind of where my Christian theology kind of comes out, right? And <laughs> as an ordained minister, it's like, you know, in the beginning, God created. And, and, and it was, you know, a time of, of, of darkness, a time where there was, you know, void and just things were really unclear. But this idea that we are creators innately within us, we have the ability to create. And that's identifying what um, what story we want to identify with or what's the story that, that begins to drive or motivate um, 
our ideas or our interests. And so we had set a vision for, for our lives, our family, and um, we began to implement and develop just some really, really practical ideas to support what that looks like. Does this, did this mean changing a story you were holding into a different narrative? Like I know, you know, when we, when we say creating a new narrative, sometimes it means, well, there's an existing one and then there's a new one. What are we going to create from it? Um, was there that piece of, of changing something that already existed for you? And, and I'd even say when you, when you use it with your clients, does it show up as let's change one or let's create a new one or both? Yeah, that's an excellent question, um, Bob. So it's it's recreating um, the stories, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get caught up in in old stories, old patterns, old narratives, and I often tell my clients, yeah, that's that's an old story, but we're doing things different now, right? Um, we're under new management. <laughs> it's kind of like what I, I, I share with my clients or how I would phrase it. Um, just really even thinking about the IFS model that kind of incorporates this idea of self-leadership. And so when you're aware of this sense of self um, that's, that's, that's doing something new, then the old narrative of fear, of scarcity, of lack can be recreated and changed to more more of a positive narrative or a positive approach and that's recreating the story mm -hmm. and just to pause a second ifs uh, sierra mentioned ifs that means internal family systems which is a, a way of understanding the human psyche that we have different parts with different agendas and that the object is to find a, a part of ourselves that can kind of be the the loving parent to all those parts. That's, is that a fair summary and brief? Yeah, I think that's a, a great summary. And just really this idea of self-leadership and how to lead from a place of, um, in IFS, it's the eight C's. Mm -hmm. Should I list the eight C's? Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Can you speak up a little bit? Your voice sounds great, but it's a little faint. Okay. Sure. Um, so the, the eight C's, and that's um, confidence, it's calm, it's creativity, it's compassion, it's, um, let's see, that's, that's four. Um, well, look, look, I'm not looking at my notes, I'm kind of off. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm impressed if you can remember all eight, so it's okay if you don't. So we have creativity, calm, compassion. What was the confidence. fourth? Confidence. Yes. Yeah, confidence. Um, oh, curiosity. Can't forget mm. the curiosity. That's a mm -hmm. big one. Um, and there's three others. I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Did I tell you it's uh, 7 o'clock in the morning here? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> 7 a.m. <laughs> the caffeine hasn't fully kicked in yet, but, but yes. Oh, okay. I Googled it. So it's confidence, calmness, creativity, clarity, curiosity, courage, compassion, and connectedness. There we go. There we are. Yes. Okay. So the eight C's. And, um, and say a little, I, I, we, we kind of 
went sideways on IFS, but can you can you take us back to how that connects to the creating of the new narrative? So it's it's identifying the eight C's, which kind of helps to also navigate, right? Like, is my story developed or coming from a place of curiosity? from calm, from a place of calm? Is this story actually developed? The story I'm telling myself, is it from a place of, of, of compassion? Um, am I operating from this idea? So I like the idea of the eight C's as a guiding point that helps to inform the narrative. Mm-hmm. And when we can use that as a point to inform our narrative, it also helps us, you know, again, thinking about creativity, it requires us to be creative, going back to creating the narrative, right? So it, it, it requires us to tap into that C, that creative at part of us, that creative um, leadership part, right? Mm-hmm. That helps us to develop a new narrative. Mm-hmm. And, and is this, uh, go ahead. Sorry, is this something you help clients with, or is this something that you're bringing into the office? And if so, what do you see people struggling with? Because I'm thinking of my own practice and how self compassion seems to be so hard for a lot of our clients and giving themselves grace and patience and kindness. Yeah, I was wondering if you're doing this with clients and um, how you help them sort of navigate some of those roadblocks that come up when they're trying to create a new narrative kind of using these guiding principles. Yeah, so it's it's one identifying the old story first, right? So sometimes we have to revisit the old story before we can help that older, younger part identify a new story. And it's really helping that client um, to, to, to release that older, younger part that has been held back or, you know, sometimes we use the phrase locked in a freezer or, you know, just, you know, just, just been suppressed, repressed, just not addressed. So it's revisiting that story and then allowing that older, younger, um, that younger part, older part to catch up to the more adult. And I would say, um, the develop, the experienced survivor. And to let that part know that, hey, we don't have to operate that way anymore because our context has changed. Mm -hmm. Things are different. So we don't have to be so reactive or react in the manner that we, we had to when we were experiencing whatever the situation is then. That was Mm -hmm. a survival adaptation. Mm -hmm. But now that our context is a little different, we can make the necessary adjustments to do something different. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, is that, that clear? I'm kind of speaking in a more uh, vague and general sense, not like direct in terms of a specific situation, but um, I j- I'm just wondering how, how is that com- coming across to you? It makes sense to me. And the thing I'm latching on to is that it seems like at the center of it, there needs to be a, a new part of us. You called it, um, uh, the um, the leadership, self-leadership, that that's what's missing. And so often in in neurosis, to use an old word, um, is that there's nobody on board. um, There's a state of, or there's a chaos of states coming at us, you know, depression, 
uh, anxiety, anger, feelings we can't control, um, feelings that we probably shouldn't control, and there's not nobody at the center managing it. Um, and I think so many of us didn't get the kind of you know ideal parenting where you your parents co-regulate with you. You know how to regulate your feelings because you got help. So a lot of people grow up with no center, so to speak. And that's what I'm taking from that, that if to have a new narrative means also a person existing within you, a part of you, let's say, not a, not a different separate personality, but a part that can take, can take leadership. And, and I imagine that needs a lot of development and cultivation. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. And so that is part of developing the new narrative. It's mm -hmm. that sense of awareness. And I really wish if I had to add to the eight C's, it would be mm -hmm. really an S word or an A word, which is self-awareness. So it's this mm -hmm. awareness mm -hmm. of, of, of this part that exists within us, being aware that, you know, we, we have this sense of self-leadership or, I, I, again, a lot of my, my, theological grounding foundation kind of comes up when I think about this and, and I, I identify it even as spirit, right? Like mm -hmm. this, this spirit that is within us, mm -hmm. that is operating mm -hmm. in and through us, that is, you know, working with us for, for good mm -hmm. and being able to just really embrace the goodness that exists within us. When I was listening to you talk and explain all this, two words popped into my head. One was hopeful and one was rebirth. So I think as you're speaking, it feels really inspirational to me that there's always possibility to not just, you know, claim our stories because they're part of us, but to create new ones and that there's always hope to change our course or change our narrative that we're, there's always that growth. And I think that's really inspirational and really and hopeful. Again, that's the word that just keeps coming up for me because I think people feel so stuck sometimes in their narratives. Yeah, yeah. But with this roadmap you're talking about, it really gives more a more concrete way to, to be hopeful and, and to know that everybody can do this. Everybody can do this. It's, um, you know, so it, going back to the vision, write the vision, make it plain, right? So that we can see it, that we know it. This is a concrete, tangible thing that we can, you know, incorporate into our sense of awareness. And the more we have it in our awareness, the more it just becomes active within us. We're working towards that thing that we've visualized, that we've identified, that we so desire. Um, I want to pick up, um, pick up on what Bob had said, and, and, and Lena, I love those words of, of, of rebirthing and hope, because that's really where it begins. Mm -hmm. And while we may not have had the support of parents um, helping us to co-regulate or providing that sense of support, it's like, yeah, that's unfortunate that that may have been the story, but it doesn't have to remain the story. So here's an opportunity to say, I didn't get it when I was growing up, but this is something that I can do differently for 
the children that I will raise or the, you know, the kids that I will engage or just the people that I'm interacting with. It wasn't my experience growing up, but now I have a new idea or now I know a new way and I'm going to be very clear and very intentional about not repeating the stories of my past. Well, that, well, I wonder if that takes us into the, the societal context of creating a new narrative. You mentioned um, when we were speaking before the podcast about how you were writing the article kind of about it was your anniversary, the anniversary of your marriage, and it was a very personal article, and then you realized, hey, it's Black History Month, and boy, do we have some narratives uh, floating around out there about black and white American history that could use some changing. Um, can you talk about how, what, your, what are your thoughts about this narrative and, and what we might do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, just the fact that we have Black History Month is, is, is significant in and of itself. And it's a huge statement, right? Like, so um, Black History Month was established back in 1986. And it was an idea, you know, to, to celebrate and, and honor the stories of African Americans here in America or the, the black narrative in America. And, and I think it's looking at where we are now um, in 2021, where we have the issue of critical race theory that's now being addressed. And how do we teach the story or how are we telling the stories? And there's some people that want to dismiss this idea. And it does a disservice to, again, looking at black culture and how we evolve when we can't identify or tell the story of our history. Um, in order for us not to repeat history, sometimes we have to look at it and learn from it so that we can make different decisions moving forward. And it's also looking at history, which helps us to heal from it. And I believe that right now the work that's required for us as, you know, I'm just going to say as a people and not just, you know, identifying myself as a black woman, but just as Americans, right? People here, we're all here identifying as Americans to look at the story of America and American history and, and how the issue of racism, um, the injustice, the inequity, all of that has played a part in how we show up today. Looking at it, addressing it, um, so that we can begin to change, change the narrative and not repeat the same cycle, the same stories again. So Black History Month um, really presents a chance to, to just acknowledge the full history of Black people in advance some of the... Um, the racial healing and justice that's, that's just really needed at this time. I, I um, think about the paradox or, the, or, or, the, or the, the problem when we get to narratives um, uh, about white sensitivity um, that white people don't want to have a, an ugly narrative 
um, and yet we need to face the truth and white and black people need to face the truth of our history together. And um, so white sensitivity really is taken aback by the whole idea of critical race theory and teaching that and making us not look so good to ourselves and making us mm. question how we've been and, and how we are now. How do we, and maybe since you've done so much work on, on creating a new narrative, how does one hold a narrative that ain't so pretty? Um, obviously, we can move into a new one, but there's also acknowledging the old one. How do we do that? Yeah, so so it's a hard conversation, and it's a very uncomfortable situation. And who wants to revisit the trauma of their past, right? Like, <laughs> it's so difficult. But it's really, really being able to, um, you know, have some compassion, not only for the other, but also for self, right? And identifying, yeah, that is an old story. And I'm sorry that happened. And what will be helpful, what is needed to... It's, it, we're not going to erase it. We're not going to dismiss it. But it's acknowledging that it had happened, that it occurred, it exists. Mm -hmm. and, and, and being really intentional about what we're doing to move forward so it doesn't continue to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. What is the change that mm -hmm. we need to see? Naming the change mm -hmm. that, that needs um, to happen. And so one of the things that's kind of up um, and, you know, in the hands of Congress right now, and again, just being really, really intentional. And I'm so grateful that there, there is, um, just, you know, the, the work that's I saw actually on the house floor right now, article, um, HR 40, which is creating a commission, um, to study and develop reparations proposal for African Americans. Um, and, and so this whole idea of reparations, and that might be another podcast for another time to kind of go into that discussion, but just creating a commission to address why <laughs> this might be a thing, right? Like why this is necessary, why we're talking about it. But I think it's a very, very important step in honoring um, the purpose uh, behind Black History Month because it's addressing the story. It's addressing the narrative. Yeah, I um, I think it's so important to highlight again the part about acknowledgement and healing. Like we cannot go forward without acknowledgement. We can't heal without acknowledgement. Otherwise, you know, the dismissiveness, the gaslighting, um, there's just no way to move forward. One of my favorite uh, Asian philosophers, um, Jay Krishnamurti, I love his line, in the seeing is the transformation. And when he elaborates on that, it's what you can really see in at its worst, in its entirety, the change, if you can see it, if you can feel it, if you can acknowledge it, the change almost happens by virtue of that, you know, in, yeah. the, in the real seeing of it is the transformation. That's how hearts change, I think, 
when we imagine ourselves in the place of the other, not as an intellectual concept or a mere historical concept, but really crossing the bridge into the other person's world as we teach our couples to do in Imago. Mm -hmm. Then, boy, the magic happens. Empathy is magic. Um, you were starting to say something, Sarah. Yeah, so empathy is magic for sure. Um, and and I, I love that. When, you know, if only we can empathize enough, but part of, and really, really thinking about that idea of empathy, it's, it's being able to, to connect or feel what another person might, might be feeling. And I love the words of, of James Baldwin, um, who once said, not everything that is faced can be changed. But nothing can be changed until it is faced. Mm. So remembering is important in shining a brighter light um, to spotlight Black history and mm -hmm. catechize just, you know, a deeper commitment to racial justice. Yeah. And as we said, acknowledgement is crucial. We have to do that. That's the first step. But there's so much more we have to do beyond acknowledgement. And I know today we wanted to address action. That Black History Month is not just about education acknowledgement, but we wanna take those things and turn it into action. And there's things that we all can do and uh, intentionally, especially not just this month, but all the time. And so um, Sierra had sent Bob and I an article about some of the things action items we can do for Black History Month. Do you want to talk a bit about that, Sierra, and um, why that's really important? Yeah, absolutely. So um, first, you know, I, I just think it's important um, that not only, you know, in changing the narrative, as, as you mentioned, Lena, it's not just about educating ourselves and just, you know, coming up with these dreamy ideas, but how do we take these ideas and turn them into practical, actionable items. And I don't think I mentioned earlier the, the whole SMART acronym, which I love in its simplicity, right? But it's just a really, really nice way to kind of think about implementing some of our, our, our ideas into actionable items. And so SMART, which is being specific, I'm getting all tongue-tied <laughs> right now, but being um, specific, right? So specifically naming what what it is that that we want to see or what it is that we want to do um specific is it measurable identifying is it something that's measurable is this something attainable or achievable can we feasibly you know within our capacity do the work to to achieve this to attain this um realistic or relevant i don't i don't like so much like the realistic um phrase but but is it relevant is it relevant to the the goals that you've set right is it relevant is it um risky <laughs> i kind of also like the risky part right because that's kind of what makes it exciting and is it timely is this something that can be done in a, a, a period of time. So I really like to use that SMART acronym as a way of remembering um, and identifying just some really concrete, actionable items that can be used for, to support the goals or the vision that, that we've set. And um, you've asked the question about naming some things that we can do um, this month or not even this month. I kind of like the idea of being intentional 
now. And so it's Black History Month. And, you know, when we talk about critical race theory, or we talk about being, you know, anti-racist, or we talk about, you know, the movement for, for, for culture and, and equity and justice, it's like, what, what better time is now? But if it doesn't happen in February, then maybe it can happen in March. Uh, Women's History Month. <laughs> you just pick a time, you know, when you want to be intentional about your justice and equity movement. But um, some of the things that can be done, um, just, you know, looking at, again, addressing pay equity, um, that's, that's a, a real thing in various organizations. And um, you can look at, you know, begin with your work environment and how is that actually being addressed. There's a lot of articles that's out right now um, identifying and talking about, um, you know, the wealth gap. And as I said, it's not only a racial thing, but it's also a gender thing. And so again, for for that part of your vision for this year, an intentional um, action could be addressing pay and equity. Um, being intentional about engaging your diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Again, it's something that we talk about, but when we look at our organizations, um, the, the, the context in which we work or the context in which we engage, how is the discussion around diversity, equity, and inclusion? How is it being addressed? And um, this idea of being inclusive, is it just addressing race? Is it just addressing the issues of gender? Or are we actually looking at um, prioritizing, you know, the LGBTQIA plus plus um, rights and just, you know, even those uh, with disabilities, right, with different abilities and just looking at how we can be more inclusive and examples of, of what that might actually look like. Um, maybe it's, it's, it's writing the check, right, to support an organization and that's um, one way to give, to give financially and support financially. Um, I, you know, I, I can provide some resources. Um, you can reach out to Lena and, and if, you know, if she gets any DMs or questions, I'll be happy to share a list of different organizations that you can support if you don't know where, um, yeah. or maybe that's something that can be posted, but also thinking about, um, again, being intentional with mentorship. So it's taking someone, um, under your wing and, and yes, not only educating them, but, but teaching them different ways that they can be active, um, whether it's in their community or um, just, just, just I'm, I'm just thinking community overall, but just different ways that they can get involved and engage with various causes. Um, there's one organization that's actually coming come to mind and, you know, you probably, um, are familiar with um, the movement for Black Lives. Mm -hmm. um, and that's an actual website where you can go on to the movement for Black Lives, M4BL. And there's a whole list of um, not only policy changes, campaigns, um, funds, but, but all various 
ideas that that you can um, actively engage mm. um, and take action to support um, Black lives and just the movement right now. And for any listener that didn't uh, hear that or get that, it's it's look up the letter M uh, for letter four B L movement for black lives that org yeah we'll post that as well yeah we'll post that in our um, on our facebook page and um and if you can give us that list um sierra will post that too um, yeah. love to have absolutely absolutely and then i just also want to say you know there's um you know there's so many movements that's happening right now and when i think about my history um, and, you know, we celebrated Dr. King, Martin Luther King last month in January, and he was one who, who marched, right, and, and advocated and, you know, galvanized folks to, to march for voter rights and, you know, and march and, and to, to get out and rally, to get out and rally and um, really speak to and address um, demonstrate what is important, what is necessary. This, these are part of our rights, right? This is our civil rights, our liberties that we can speak for and speak up about so that the story is not erased, so the story is not dismissed, so that we are acknowledging the story that justice may come, that, that justice and equality may actually prevail. Um, so, you know, again, just looking into different opportunities. If you've never been part of a demonstration before, perhaps this is your year to just put that on your list of things to do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and be intentional about um, that. And that's your contribution to changing the narrative. I'm not going to remain silent anymore. I'm not going to just hide behind in the shadows and sit with the pain, but I'm actually going to get out and do something about it. And, um, you know, at, at, at some point in time, we may have to have another podcast and talking about reparations, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a bill right now, as I mentioned before, that's in the hands of Congress. So you all can reach out to your, um, congressional leaders and representatives around um, the movement, you know, um, for, for establishing a commission to address reparations and um, developing a comprehensive plan on what that might look like. And the urgency is now. So let us not um, allow another year to go by without being intentional and specific with um, some of the actionable items that we want to engage for being the change that we want to see in our lives personally, but also within the communities that, that we engage. And it starts, with, it starts with you, it starts with me kind of having a vision for, for hope, mm-hmm. new hope is where it begins. And let's not need another George Floyd uh, event to get out there and show our put our feet on the ground and do some of these things those things are very mobilizing but we need to to stay mobilized uh, after those after those happen um how would you describe your vision sierra for um racial reparation equity um 
What would it look like if it existed? So it's really this vision um, which has to do with anti, the anti-racist work. And, and it's where we can have the conversation and um, knowing that it's a hard conversation, but still feel held. And um, when I say held, meaning, and this kind of goes back to that whole thought of empathy, where the other can actually see and connect with, right? Mm -hmm. um, where we can sit in a room together mm -hmm. and just say, yeah, I know that happened, but we're looking and we're doing things differently. It's where we're able to come together and support one another. And I, I guess the best way for me to describe it is a recent experience. Um, I was marching um, for voter rights. It was a voter rights um, march on on MLK Day here in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, yeah, it, and, and it was, um, and I, I share the story with, with some of my colleagues how that march and that movement was so meaningful for me and my family because we're in this environment where there's not a lot of people of color. But on that day, on, on, on that march, um, there were people of all colors, right? White, black, just all colors. And we were all together marching for, you know, voter rights. Mm. That was what we were addressing at the time. And it's like, yeah, this is something that has, was meaningful for, um, for, for black people. Again, thinking about Dr. King um, back in the 60s, um, that we, but and, and for those others who had joined the movement and said, I'm standing with you, right? Because I can't even imagine what life might be like for you not having this liberty. Mm -hmm. So my vision is, is, is the hope that we can join together and be together and identifying um, and addressing the injustice that exists within our world. Mm -hmm. The opposite of denying it, yeah. Because I see, I feel like that's what happens too much right now is people denying the reality, denying what really happens, denying Black people's experiences, not just then but now that it's still very real. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So instead of denying it, it's acknowledging it acknowledging it and for us coming together. And so I, I was, you know, talking about the harmony of us working together collectively mm -hmm. to create a new narrative, to change mm -hmm. the narrative. Just showing up for each other. And showing up for each other. Yes. And that's the story mm -hmm. of, of, of becoming an anti-racist. Mm -hmm. um, the day that we don't have to identify, you know, the first one, right? Like when we can get beyond the first, <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, of its kind right um yeah we can we can just be and celebrate and honor that this is this is who we are um mm -hmm. and we're working together collectively mm -hmm. and i like too how you know the, the, teaching the narratives or teaching the stories can it can never be too young i think and uh, that's why you know taking your children to protests 
uh, teaching them, you know, in age appropriate ways, the realities again. And, you know, I, I've been really um, being intentional about doing that with my children. Even, you know, they watch a YouTube video and they, they've been talking about Karen slightly because <laughs> they're seeing it on YouTube. Yeah. But, you know, I, I use that actually as a teaching opportunity to say, you know, this is where it comes from. And this is, you know, um, this historic issue of black people being reported by white people for living their lives. And, you know, even told them the story about the, the they called her, I think, the Central Park Karen, who yeah. reported um, a black man for bird watching. And, you know, and just explaining, though, how dangerous that is and the dangers that can come from that, you know. So I, I feel like there's always teaching moments and these really, you know, it may seem like a very strange way, but I try to take all those opportunities and have these discussions with my kids who are seven and nine and they, they want to hear it. They're intrigued. They have so many questions. They want to know more. Um, and Absolutely. again, that's building their empathy. they really feel, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's a real thing. And, um, you know, there's wonderful teaching opportunities and I have to just say this, there's a meme that's out in, on social right now of a little black girl coming out of, um, the, coming out of a, of a jail and um and the mean says you know if she's young enough to endure this she's young enough to learn about this oh yeah i love that <laughs> meme. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. what i'm talking about yeah yes yeah i mean it's, and, it's you can't explain it better than that yeah and actually what you know what we did with our children is we actually allowed them to see the children's movement it was when the children had marched right mm -hmm. and the children had all gotten arrested <laughs> and what that was about and and just really um helping to see that children are powerful and even children can make a difference right in changing the narrative and when those kids got together and decided you know what we're going down we're going to cross some boundaries today and you know if we get arrested we get arrested whatever i'm not i'm not advocating for <laughs> so i just also wanted to state that this is history this is our story but it's important that um kids know the power that they have um, and making the change that they want to see. And when sometimes the adults are too scared, um, even a child can take the risk yeah. mm -hmm. well, to some, do something different. Some of, our, 100%. some of our kids are way ahead of us, especially the uh, millennials, the, you know, the, the teens are like, Boy, I'm I'm in the dust with some of what they're about. To, um, kind of like keep up, Dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, certainly, it makes sense. And, and you know, there's one other point that I, I just want to add, just in terms of being intentional. Um, I I love the fact that I went on to Amazon and there's like black business uh section you know where you can be into supporting black businesses i'm really fascinated with all of the cities that i travel to and see that there's a chinatown right like there's like the asian community does it really really well in supporting one another so being really really intentional with supporting the culture supporting communities so um the fact that it's it's acknowledged it's out there you know i'm gonna just say I'm, I'm grateful to see that. Mm -hmm. um, I love when I go into the libraries that like
like right there, you know, you can see the books supporting Black History Month, which is an educational opportunity, but um, supporting Black businesses is important, right? And teaching about Black Wall Street because it was a thing and um, helping to, to help to restore some of the, the wealth that, that exists and circulates within the Black community mm -hmm. is another very um, actionable and intentional way too. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And even, you know, places like DoorDash or Uber Eats, the food delivery services, they now have Black-owned restaurants that you can support. They can specifically find those and support those businesses. Um, I know some of my friends and I try to be really intentional about, you know, buying cosmetics from Black-owned businesses or clothing or, you know, really seeking out um, Black businesses and putting our money there, you know, because... We're also, you know, we're also voting with our wallets in a lot of ways and we're being Absolutely. intentional about where we're putting our dollars is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that makes a difference, especially in a capitalistic world that we live in. And that's a whole nother podcast for another day. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of things that we can talk about. Yes. Um, so, but this is wonderful, Lena and Bob. Again, thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to share that, you know, we didn't get to or anything else that's in your heart, on your mind that you want to put out into the universe? Yeah, so, and just, you know, those words of Mahatma Gandhi, I just, you know, we, we must be the change that we want to see, right? And that change really does begin with us. Um, it begins with us and it begins with hope, mm -hmm. right? That desired hope. What mm -hmm. do we hope for? What do we long for? What is the dream? Mm -hmm. And um, if we begin there and just imagine the possibilities, the new possibilities, we can start a new trend, a new way of experiencing life mm -hmm. and letting go of um, the fears of our past that have kept us bound, releasing that, mm -hmm. um, opens up our world mm -hmm. where the possibilities are limitless yeah. so um i'd say here's to a new year right of new yeah. possibilities and mm -hmm. um changing <laughs> that old narrative and creating the life that we want to live with mm -hmm. a new story and it begins with you Thank you. That's a great closing, Sierra. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't say anything after that. That's great. It's again hope. Well, to those there's always hope. To those of you who are not uh, hearing this, uh, uh, having come to it from our Facebook page, do see our Facebook page. It's uh, Sessions with Bob and Lena, where we'll put uh, follow-ups and um, and notes from today you may want and um thank you sierra thanks lena thank you. thank you sierra and we'll see you at the next episode awesome thank you thank you both and all the best as you continue to do this work you two are amazing well thank you well, we're blessed to have you with us thank you so much bye everybody bye